This is The Art of the Suit. I am Dawn Klatsko, Brand Builder Coach. Thank you for joining me to share ideas, insights and interviews to help you build your commercial or personal brand. The title of this episode is Friends, Family and Favours, the new F-words. Are you presently in a situation where you're looking for help with finding new business leads? Are looking for funding for your exciting new venture? Are trying to expand your network and need introductions to influential people? In fact, anything where you need someone else to give you a hand? Then this episode is essential listening to help you prepare for the big ask. The reality of business is that new business is the lifeblood of any organization. It's a never-ending pursuit, and your pitch is likely to be one of many falling on the ears of the person you're asking. It seems as if we're all out there scrambling for the same pool of prospects or trying to get profiled to get your new gig up and running so that you can make the big career switch, right? So it's no wonder that your first port of call will be to your network of friends, family, and the full spectrum of people who you may have helped or done favors for in the past. After all, they know you and hopefully really like you. So surely this should be where you get to pick the low-hanging fruit. If your efforts have fallen like rotten apples from the tree, then you most likely have not first asked yourself two key questions. Are these people a good source of business? Are you approaching them correctly? Personal stories or experiences always add depth and color when looking for advice. So let me share one of my rotten apple stories with you. Picture this a breakfast meeting that I'd set up in the hope of securing introductions for my coaching practice. The location was a very popular business breakfast meeting spot. At 7.30am, the place was already packed with mostly briefcase and mobile device-wielding execs. Typically, each table of people were huddled together in intense conversation while eyeing out the new arrivals and better-known faces at other tables with the surreptitious skill of a lizard scanning for a snack. Surreptitious because after all, the last thing you want your breakfast guests to feel is that they are not the center of your attention, even if your main reason for being there is to find business. It was almost like going on a first date. I'd set up this meeting with a past colleague who I regarded as a friend. He had on occasion even referred to me as part of his company's family, and I certainly thought he owed me a favor or two. He's a busy man, and it had taken me close on two months to get into his diary, so this meeting had to be worth the wait. My aim was to share what I was doing now in the hope of securing some much-needed business. My adrenaline was running high. I was not only feeling pretty sure that my offering was terrific and would appeal to him, but that I would walk away with at least a morsel of a project. He arrived a bit late, so the chilled catch-up approach that I would have preferred pretty much had to be dropped 
and plan B put into play. Following a quick, so what's been happening and ordering our food, I launched straight into my big cell, executed at higher speed than I'd intended because he had arrived late. And now it felt more like speed dating. Talk about the enthusiastic date. I was so excited about my offering and wanting to impress that I'm sure I had flushed cheeks. His response was very encouraging and positive. A few interesting questions gave me the sense that he was interested, so I continued to pitch my point of difference. He even volunteered a few suggestions which were worth noting. He is, after all, a very successful and insightful businessman. It all seemed to have gone pretty well. Aside from my immediate indigestion because of trying to gulp down my breakfast between sales pitch segments, I was now ready to accept his offer of engagement. Well, that apple soon plopped to the ground. Besides wishing me the best of luck, thanking me for the breakfast and saying that it looked like I was really enjoying my newfound direction, my cheeks were obviously very flushed, there was nothing else on offer other than the sight of him departing in haste to his next appointment. I should have taken the time to review my approach immediately, but the truth is that I had already scheduled a series of friend dates. There were a few variations on the first, but none of them resulted in any concrete business. Instead, I had a fairly deflated ego and started wondering if I had, in reality, been a legend in my own lunchtime. Thanks in the main to the experience I had gained in the ad industry, where you spend your life pitching against your competition for new business, my resilience, enthusiasm and determination came to the fore once again. After licking my wounds, I took the time to reflect on why I was walking away from these sessions without so much as a callback, let alone a proposal. And that is what I want to share with you. My findings are a work in progress, to be honest. I don't believe you ever arrive at a single perfect formula for securing new business. It depends on so many variables, including your offering, the market, your competition, and the prevailing scenario at any point in time. Friends are an obvious starting point, but is this the best source? As always, I look to those who are more experienced, knowledgeable and successful than myself for guidance. And of course, my first go-to source is always the web. I found this quote from John D. Rockefeller, which really resonated with me about the combination of friends and business. He said, a friendship founded on business is better than a business founded on friendship. I support this piece of wisdom as many of my longest standing friends were originally clients of mine. Our friendships were built on the foundations of shared vision, mutual respect, overcoming challenges and sharing successes, sometimes even failures. Sadly though, this still did not answer my question as I needed to secure new business before I could focus on making any new friends. The general consensus that my desktop research and my own self-reflection uncovered is that there are many advantages to doing business with friends. They know you, 
so you don't have to spend time first trying to establish your personal credentials. After all, trust and respect are cornerstones of business relationships, and the advantage of dealing with friends is that this first level of influence is already established. This makes it a more efficient engagement, if you like. A further advantage is that friends tend to be more forgiving and will allow you wider margin. Not only does this count when your offering is at parity to your competition, but perhaps more importantly, for when you mess up. David Ogilvy, a doyen of advertising that I had the honor of meeting when I worked with the Ogilvy Group, offered valuable advice. He was strongly averse to employing friends and admitted that he lost many when he ignored his own advice. However, he used to encourage us to make friends with our clients, the primary motivation being that they would, as friends, most likely give you the heads up when you were heading into troubled waters. More importantly, though, that when you land up in the deep water anyway, they will give you a second chance or at least the time to recover and stay in the game. Talking about staying in the game, I've often heard people talking about scoring business leads from people that they socialize with in their leisure time. And the most frequently mentioned pastime is golf. I've never personally considered the game. So questioned another highly successful friend of mine, lucky me that he's so successful, but yet another business dead end, on the subject. Sportingly, he agreed and explained that the game of golf itself tends to test the fabric of a person's character. It can be one of the most frustrating games, and fairness, determination, resilience and humour are all publicly put to the test. So it's a great environment to observe someone's true character. And of course, the time spent both on the course as well as in the change room, nothing intentionally inferred, and sharing drinks afterwards all contribute towards friendships being formed. That's great. I still have no intention of taking up the sport in the near future. And frankly, I haven't found that my cycling, gym or indoor spinning is particularly conducive to new business engagements. But as I advocate, there's always a different point of view. Accepting the premise that friends remain a good source of business, the challenge is then when and how to approach them. When a friendship develops out of a business relationship, so I mean business first, friend later, It has usually followed on the heels of mutual respect, shared vision, and partnering for results. Only then does the soft, fuzzy stuff kick in. Friends first, however, is just the opposite. These friendships are primarily built on an emotional foundation and shared experiences, so a similar sense of humor, equal effort put into making arrangements, great holiday company, sincere concern for mutual well-being, and the memory of who helped you maintain your dignity when you'd let your hair down a bit too much at the end of your party. Approaching this friendship from a business perspective is going to draw a whole set of expectations into play. And non-delivery, the big letdown, could easily result in this great match evaporating before your eyes. 
The bottom line is that while it's not wrong to approach friends for business, you need to be very cautious and go in with a sensitivity to protect both parties. Putting personalities and relationship dynamics aside, one of the primary areas where I realized I failed initially was that I expected my friends to know me so well that they would automatically understand what it is that I was after. In all fairness to your friends, the reality is that they are probably in the same boat as you, looking for new business. So while you're expecting them to demonstrate ESP abilities, extrasensory perception for those not in the know, they are sitting opposite you, looking completely engrossed with your sales pitch, while in truth, they're wondering if they can use this opportunity to get some business out of you. What do you do? Here are six tactics that you can use. First of all, don't presume, ask. I'm not sure if this is a personal or common trait, but I find that I'm notoriously bad at asking for what I want. This is particularly true when it has to do with asking favors. My learning is that unless you want to feel as awkward as the woman fluttering her eyelashes in an attempt at hinted seduction, you have to be direct to be fair. ESP doesn't count. Be direct in your request or the receiving party may think you just have something in your eye. Next, have a plan. Before the meeting, carefully consider what it is that you'd like to take away with you. If possible, it's even better to share this with them before you meet. Plan how you will approach the exercise, at what point you'll present the request and how you will manage the exit if it does not go smoothly. Be realistic. Do you specifically want them to put some business your way? If so, are they realistically in the line of work where they have a need for your services? Help them along by explaining what your thinking was, why you thought they may be able to help you. You may have been completely wrong, and instead of beating around the bush, let them put you out of your misery right up front. If they are not in a position to help, ask if they can introduce you to some of their contacts that may be able to give you some business. If it is just opinion or input you want, for example about your new brochure, your promotional material, be specific. Next, consider if there's a benefit for your friend. As much as we would like to think that we are objective and generous, check to see if you can make the deal mutually beneficial. If you can't think of anything, ask your friend. By volunteering the offer, you avoid making your friend feel awkward by having to ask or create resentment because you are perceived as being selfish. Learn to sidestep. If, on the other hand, in the case of them not being able to help you, be ready for the voluntary advice that is likely to follow. You are the one that called for the input. So if the offering of advice rather than new business is not to your liking, frankly, suck it up. Be graceful and try and then change the subject as soon as possible. Finally, protect your asset. Friends are very important and valuable assets in their own right. It is important to protect this, so be very cautious about how you approach this precious resource. 
If the friendship could possibly be negatively affected, rather use them as the fallback and focus on your other assets to drive the business. So in summary, when considering approaching friends, first consider carefully whether they are in a position to help or not. Be specific about your expectations and share this. Give them an easy out so that they don't feel like the enemy when they have to say no or that they can't help. If they volunteer advice, criticism or opinion that you really don't want, learn how to diplomatically sidestep the offering. It is easier and safer to approach friends who were first business associates than to approach friends who have previously had no business relationship with you. Okay, so we've now tapped into the treasure trove of friends. What about when it's a family member you are approaching? Does this differ? Short answer, yes. This is complex and dangerous territory. Before even addressing how to best manage family and business, I would strongly advocate that even asking family for business should truly be a last resort. Why? Simply because when things do go south in life, your insurance policy should be that you can fall back on family in one way or another. Against this backdrop, business engagement is fertile ground for breaking down solid family relationships. Family can be a wonderful source of motivation and support for you. Because you're of the same blood, they tend to behave with a degree of positive ownership. Your success is their success. So they are a great source of encouragement with generous amounts of praise and admiration to keep you going. So, as with friends, it's worth ring-fencing and protecting this. When it comes to business, though, if the interplay of relationships between friends was complex, multiply that tenfold when it comes to family. The highest risk sits at the end of the spectrum where you are employing or partnering with family members directly. I've observed these dynamics at close quarters with numerous clients, and I can only say that when it works, these companies have earned my unqualified respect. The structures, processes, intervention mechanisms, contractual agreements and principles that need to be put in place for a successful family business are more rigorous and creative than those used for most conventional organizational structures. But even though I've attempted to pull up the handbrake of the family car several times, let's push on and see how you can best manage this resource. If your request is for introductions or referrals to business leads, it's simpler than asking them to give you business directly. In either case, in order to protect the relationship beyond the deal, apply all the guidelines on doing business with friends, but add in the following disciplines. The first is exit before entry. Provide your family member with an easy exit even before the ask. If you are refused, immediately respond with an expression of positive gratitude to avoid any residual resentment that you force them to feel bad. Next, contract. 
follow all of the contractual and negotiation procedures even more closely than you would for an arm's length relationship. Just because it is a family member does not mean that if the business arrangement fails, there will be greater forgiveness. The reality is that it will be more personal and have greater impact. So invest in the paperwork. Be very clear on roles, responsibilities and performance expectations. This will ensure that you avoid the but I thought discussions sometime in the future. If you are not able to reach agreement on clear measurable deliverables, once again, step away from the engagement with good cheer and gratitude. Talk money as soon as possible. Be specific about the price up front. If you are expecting a discount, be sure that it is fair and discuss the expectation. Don't presume. If you are given a discount, Remember that even though you may feel this is your birthright, they now have to make that margin up somewhere else. So once again, be sure to express your appreciation, even if you don't feel it was the greatest deal. Provide feedback. Nothing is more frustrating than when you've given someone a material introduction or lead, and then you hear nothing further. Providing feedback, both on the successes and failures, shows respect and appreciation, and encourages them to give you further assistance. In the case of any of the introductions going sour, regardless of whose fault it may have been, it's even more important, and timing is everything. Share the news as soon as possible. The fact of the matter is that your family member's reputation may be as much at risk as your own. Also, agree on a referee before you begin the engagement. As a buffer for when things may go wrong, it's an excellent idea to have identified a third party who you both respect and agree should be brought in as a referee to help sort out a situation. It's best to avoid a person such as your company lawyer or accountant who may then become embroiled should the situation not be resolved. Once you've identified the person, it's essential that you approach them and agree on the process that will be employed ahead of having to call on them for help. It's pretty obvious that to avoid approaching friends and family when you are hungry for business is a bit like avoiding the free burger stand because you're concerned about your waistline while starving. Pretty much the same applies to calling in favours. The most important caution is to ensure that you protect the assets of friends and family. They are far more valuable than money. Hopefully this podcast has provided you with a fresh perspective, as well as some useful guidelines to help avoid turning friends, family and favours into your newfound curse words. To close, as always, let me share my out-of-the-suit crib notes on the subject. 1. The continuous pursuit of new business is the lifeblood of any business. 2. Your friends are the natural first port of call as they are likely to be the most responsive and hopefully already like you. However, they may prove to be the least supportive for a number of reasons. 3. Becoming friends with your clients gives you the upper hand, 
but approaching friends for business needs to be treated with greater care. Four, protect your friendships, and if you do approach them for business, be fair and very clear about what it is that you're expecting from them. Most importantly, be sure to build in an easy exit so they can comfortably decline. Five, family relationships are even more complex. Family are a valuable source of motivation and support, in particular if your own career or business goes south. So protect this insurance. Six, in addition to the guidelines you would use when dealing with friends, ensure that you put contractual, performance and earnings detail in place before you go ahead. And finally, calling on friends or family and calling in favours makes good sense. But approach all three with even greater forethought, planning and attention than you would when approaching strangers. If this podcast has been of value to you, pass it on to someone that could do with the advice. And of course, please subscribe to The Art of the Suit and get in touch via my website, theartofthesuit.com and let me know what areas of support you would like advice or help with. If I don't have the answers, I will make it my business to find out. Do good, be great, and we'll connect again soon. Thank you.